0: Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. Thanks to our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Patrick, we are in for another great conversation I today. So. I'd good. like you to meet Sarah Fischbach. Sarah, how are you? I'm
1: good. Good morning.
0: Good morning. And you, uh, you're a professor at California Lutheran University? Yes. And uh, I don't want to talk about that at all. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: good, because we're on summer break, so.
0: <laughs> I want to oh. talk about you being a, an instructor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa Okay. Uh, my wife is a, a Wahini. She's a, a Rainbow Warrior grad. She was a full-ride scholarship out there for softball uh, back in the yeah. day. And uh, so I, I saw that, and I was like, okay, that I want to talk about that. Um, how did you get that job?
1: Um, let's see. Well, I've lived in Hawaii twice. Okay. Um, the first time I lived in Hawaii, I went there after uh, finishing undergraduate. Like many 21-year-olds, you didn't quite know what you wanted to do, and I joined AmeriCorps, like Peace Corps. Oh, right. And I did AmeriCorps for a year. And, and then I left because 9-11 happened, and I married a husband at that time who decided he was going to join the military. And for 12 years, he was in the military and got out as a... So you traveled
0: <laughs> around military-like?
1: Yeah, I did. It was a surprise of what it was like... Was not ready for that lifestyle at all. We didn't come from a family of military people. We just kind of fell into neither in of ten. you. No. Nope. 9/11 happened, and my husband, who was a political science major after undergrad, he did Americorps two with me. We went over as boyfriend girlfriend, came right. back as husband wife. Nice.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> a, that's I, an advertisement for Americorps. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well,
0: yeah. I, I watched a. Um, uh, PBS is now doing um, TED Talks mm-hmm. uh, from the town hall in New York City, and Adam, who's on um, Girls, the ma- Adam Driver, Adam Driver, uh, did a TED Talk, and it was very interesting. He said he was nineteen and nine eleven happened, and that inspired him. I said, I, I need to go serve. Yeah. Was that uh, was similar
1: you know I was kind of shocked. my husband was not really a person that seemed like he would join the military, and then when it happened and we were isolated out on an island I didn't grow up on an island. I grew up in illinois i'm not from california originally oh i am I from California now? How long do you have to live here before you start saying you're from here
2: uh, it, it's it's all it self self diagnosed right? yeah, so yes
1: I, I'd assume I'm gonna be from California in about Five years when I've developed those roots, but
2: the, the moment you travel really outside from of Illinois, yeah, when you originally. travel outside of California and somebody says, Where are you from? Yeah. If, if just instinctually you say California and then you have to go, Oh, but but really from somewhere else, then yeah, you're there, you've arrived.
1: So, not yet, anyway. So, we were isolated out on that island, and I don't know, he just fu- felt the calling. I, I kind of fought him for a little bit. I'm like, Really, did you? the military. Do we want to do this? He went through officer training school because we both had our undergraduate degrees. So right. he went down the path that he probably could have gone through if he would have went through ROTC, but he didn't feel that as an undergraduate student that that's what he should be doing. So anyways, the military brought us back to Hawaii 12 years later, and he served his last assignment in Hawaii.
0: When did you?
1: And that's how I was working for the University of Hawaii, oh, Manoa. got it. hmm
0: that's a beautiful campus. Oh, I mean, that, it was great. Scheidler right. School
1: of Business. was beautiful. The faculty offices are not very nice, though, huh. if it makes you feel any better.
2: <laughs> Be, because they don't face the beach? Or <laughs> yeah, it they don't face
1: the ocean. The windows are real small. Oh, yeah.
2: But <laughs> yep. when you go outside, it's still Hawaii?
0: But yeah, it's that, yeah. It's yeah. that drive to work is pretty spectacular.
1: Hawaii is magical. It,
0: it is, is, right? It yeah. is, in, I, in, in all aspects. You
1: have the traffic, though, like you have here in Southern California, and it's compacted onto an island. We lived on Hickam Air Force Base this last time around for two years and I drove 12 miles to the Manoa campus and it took me 50 minutes. Wow. And it's just like Southern California. you got to get on the road at a certain time or you can't. So I'd run down campus, get in my car and start driving yeah. for the 50 minutes. If I waited five minutes longer, you'd be in that traffic for two hours, oh, 12 my gosh. miles. Oh my gosh. So that was a little hard. Yeah.
0: When did you, when did it hit you you wanted to be a professor?
1: I was, uh, I worked in corporate sales when we lived in Colorado. We lived in Colorado Springs for five years, and I had my first kid, and I, I love, I love my kids, I do. And I was, we moved from Colorado down to New Mexico, I transferred my corporate sales job down there, and I was happy to be working, commuting into El Paso, and actually a realtor, <laughs> said to us, she's like, why are you doing that commute into El Paso? Everybody works for New Mexico State here. And I'm sitting here in Las Cruces. I don't know much about New Mexico in general anyways. So I was like, okay, well, let me check it out. And so I applied to a job at the community college, Doña Ana Community College, which is a feeder school to New Mexico State. And they hired me. I had barely any teaching experience.
0: And your specialty at that time? At that time was
1: marketing. I already had my MBA. So at a community college, you can teach with a master's degree. So I uh, onboarded as the retail management director. And it was a great experience. But I always felt like there was more. What was the more? Well, they had a PhD program at New Mexico State. And they actually asked me. They're like, are you going to apply to that? And I was like, no. I didn't see myself as a PhD. Right. I mean, I don't think I was really dedicated to school until I was going through my MBA program. I did a one-year MBA program in Iowa. Midwesterner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't hear these states much here. No, it's. Is, and, uh, <laughs> I think that only Iowa. only
2: people from the Midwest are comfortable just dropping into the Midwest for <laughs> a year. Like I can go do a year in the Midwest. Uh, people yeah. on the West Coast are a little bit like oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're. Seems is, cold.
1: It, it's cold. Yeah. The people are really great. But we hear
0: about those states during the primaries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the very right. Very that's important well, the, the Iowa primary, yeah. right? You yeah. know, that was really important.
1: The heart of the United States
0: no absolutely absolutely so uh, in getting ready for this conversation I was looking at the various things you've been interested in there was one word that really popped out for me. And I'd, I'd like to actually spend a lot of time talking about that because okay. the, the show is, the, the people who listen to this, so they're listening to all different aspects of business and being entrepreneurs, and it might be your inner self, your outer self, the the practical things to learn. But you bring up, you're, you're feels fascinated on a topic about ethics. And I think yeah. people, there there is a, um, a sense that marketing and sales is unethical. There's an unethical aspect of it. I mean, it comes to the flexible, right? Like f- flexi- flexible, flexible ethics. ethics yes, right? situational ethics. Situational, ethics. Ethics. right? That's what it's called. Um, yeah. So I'm a car salesman, and so there's a lot of people they don't see themselves as sales and marketing is all manipulation. Okay. So that that's the dark side of that.
1: Yeah, so deception. W-
0: where does ethics fit into that conversation? And I saw that in more than one place. It's like. A deal for you so yeah
1: so uh, my favorite class in my undergraduate was a business ethics class and I didn't think it was going to be a, a favorite class I just didn't in advance. Had us, yeah, yeah they had us reading books and that I you know I really didn't really think about the philosophy of why people do the things they do the mor- morality of it but then it became more important to me as I moved and I I, moved, I f- Let's see, I've li- I grew up in Illinois, I moved to Colorado, then to New Mexico, then to Hawaii and California. Actually, we've been in California twice too. My husband's first assignment was at Vandenberg Air Force Base and he still does his military mm. reserves up there, at Vandenberg, mm. which is beautiful. Yes, it is. That's a beautiful little wine country. And people have different moralities based on even where they're from within the U.S. And it started to dawn on me. I remember being on the, the first time I lived in Hawaii, I was riding the bus because we didn't have money. We were AmeriCorps volunteers, and we take the bus everywhere. And I'm from a small town. I grew up in the country. My parents are farmers. I'm waving at people, talking to people, and my husband looks at me and goes, or boyfriend at the time, he's like, stop looking at people. All the crazy people are starting to talk to you. I was like, oh, well, this is what we do. You know, we we greet people, we say hi, we're friendly. That's just what you do in a town of 975 people. So it was a shock to me be like, hmm. oh, wait a minute, maybe I should be acting differently everywhere I go. And I've noticed that everywhere we've gone. And that's just within the U.S. I've traveled abroad as well, but not as in depth. You know, you go somewhere, you go to New Zealand for a couple of weeks, you go to Germany for a couple of weeks, you don't really get to know the culture. You just see the surface. When you live in the microcultures of the United States, you start to understand what the differences are of people and what they do, what they believe. And then the ethical concerns of that can change based on how you're marketing and how you're working your relationships in professional sales. Mm -hmm. So I'd start to build my relationships with my clients and you can border those lines of being pushing the envelope too far based on the regional place that you're at. New Mexico is different than Colorado. Colorado is way different than California.
2: What what would be too far in Colorado? That's not too far in California or vice versa. Uh,
1: Well, it, for example, you take somebody out for drinks or you buy somebody tickets, there's an sure. escalation factor of where you enter into the grayness of that ethical situation. So, do you think it's ethical for somebody to bribe a, a client? One of my roles as a professional sales manager was to, every year, I was supposed to buy this $5,000 product for this cus- customer, no matter what. You buy that product. And I would do that, no questions asked. Buy it asked. from them. For them. For them. As a bribe. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is what we do for you. You know, it's a generosity. It's a like, respect it, thing. Right, yeah. right. So So, do you think that's okay?
2: Do I myself? You don't have
1: to answer it. The so, listener, listener asks themselves. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we do when we we rationalize why we do the things that we do. Inducing
0: reciprocity.
1: Right. Reciprocity is a perfect example. Yeah, I, I love that term. I like to tell that to the students and make sure that they know what that means. I'm like... I give you these things so that you'll right. give me good evaluations on my tests, on my classes. <sighs> yeah. But um, so, like teachers, like this time of year we get all these calls from textbook salespeople saying, oh, you know, oh. sell your textbooks back and you can use that money for student scholarships or whatever. You know, we're giving those for free. They shouldn't be doing that. They should be. But we can rationalize it, right? Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Maybe I should sell them back and start a little scholarship for my students in my class, whoever does a good job. That's not right. right. But we can push those borders saying, "Oh, well, maybe it's okay." You mean here. from a
2: perspective you can say that's not right, but from from right. wherever they're calling from, their ethics don't tell them that.
1: Right. right. So that's your decision. You have a different type of morality based on I mean, it's a lot of things that build that in. I mean, it's where you grew up, what your what your religion is or lack of religion or all the different aspects that help build what you think is right or wrong. Hmm. So uh, I'm, and I'm still learning about California. You know, I, don't really, I didn't sell things in California. I mean, I guess I could say I'm selling degrees now.
2: But you're still, you're still saying that, that it turns out there's not a formula for the exact there's – no, there's no specific line that says this is over the line and this is
1: – That's why fine. ethics is so oh. important and so interesting to me okay. because where we decide where that grayness is, where, mm-hmm. where we've pushed that envelope too far is we're setting that. And Well, a company has th- something set. You know, we have a code of ethics says you can't bribe government officials
0: but you can bribe other people you
1: can yeah government well unless the company sets it up and says you can't accept a gift that's over 75 dollars the government rule is you can't accept anything over 24.99 that includes a meal Mm -hmm.
0: nbc was my client back in the day and the vp of engineering was the guy i would go visit and uh we had a great relationship and then one year i went for our our visit and Mm -hmm. uh he was not allowed to let me buy him lunch <laughs> and I couldn't give him a hat we had a great this great hat and, and, he, and I had noticed one time they had this great hat collection so I went out of my way to give snake hat. him a hat from our you know swag bag and, yeah. and he said god I really want that hat but new rules I can't take the hat can he buy
2: it from
1: you
0: Probably
2: oh, probably could, I could, could you mail it to his house,
1: too? See, look, we're starting to rationalize it right now. Right. Could you well, mail it to his no house exa- as a personal gift? Well, oh, wait. Yeah. That's reciprocity, then. Is that bordering right. that line of business uh-huh. and friendship? Wait. Right. Should we be friends? if we're working business with people
2: <laughs> but do you really want to do wow. business with people that you don't know or don't trust or don't have any kind of like like touchback t- tangible like oh I know who your wife is I know who your kids are
1: That's my favorite thing right now is trust. Trust. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Tell uh, me
0: why it's your favorite well,
1: thing. Well, we started to I have a co-author her name's Jennifer Zarzoza in Arkansas. We went to our, through our PhD program together. Okay. We just write a lot of fun things together. Or I think they're fun. Yeah. So okay. we're working on native advertising right now. Native oh, advertising. Okay. What does that mean? It's digital it's advertising. Yeah, it is messy. Yeah. So it's anything that goes online. It started as banner ads. So banner ads are the first form of native ads, which means you've created something that goes online and people can click on it to get to your ad or get to your discount. Okay. So then it's expanded farther um, to advertorials. Advertorials right. means the marketer is writing the advertisement for the company. And consumers don't really know that.
2: You mean like it's it's like an editorial, that's yeah. what you're getting, yeah.
1: But it's advertorial, right. so it's advertisement that's an editorial not written by the people of the magazine or the newspaper. It's written by the marketers, which, now that doesn't seem so weird either, right?
2: Well, because they're the ones with all the information about, about the given product or whatever, but it's when they portray that that, that, that advertorial is original content that is free from advertisement. Or, right. Yeah.
1: So once we figure that out, right, so consumers are going to start to figure out that marketers are writing these av- these advertorials or editorials for the papers. Then they start to move away from their trust with that company. Mm-hmm. Do you trust them If that they're going to give you the products that they say they are, the price they say they are, if, if they're really just putting um ad campaigns into the stuff that you're reading without telling you. Have they have so they So that's what Native Advertising Company or the IAB, which is the Interactive Advertising Board, is creating. Mm. They're creating guidelines mm. on how to inform consumers that these ads are actually written by companies. So you'll see little things like that say sponsored content or the ad. When what Google used to whenever you Google something, the pink at the top of the page yes. is all the like stuff that, you know, it's sponsored content. Well, the IAB set up those rules. So, so consumers knew that everything that you Googled that was in pink, you knew it was an ad, not actually says ad by it. And they're starting to set up guidelines for native advertising too. So trust is important. So they say that there's three factors of that. There's trust. It's, yeah, I'm not going to remember all of them now. I'm on <laughs> oh, separate. I love
0: threes. I want more. Our listener loves threes. Yeah, what well, are those I'm three I'm sure
1: things? it is three. Let me just think been on summer break for a couple weeks now so it's trust um i don't know maybe it is authenticity and then i'm totally blanking
2: that's nice that's this is the i love when we get a professor in here and we can all of all of your students are listening right now screaming at their at their we know what it is yeah (laughs) she said in class like the last week of class what the hell
1: she knows this Um, one
2: come on you can do it. <laughs> that's what they're all yelling right now. Write it now. down. Yeah.
1: That's why we have PowerPoint slides. Yeah. So that yeah, we so remember you can, the things you can that can we turn, need to know. You
2: can turn and just gesture <laughs> at it as if you already know what it – Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yes. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's I'm what still I mean. not going
1: to remember The yeah. more that you talk about it, like that's I'm fine. trying to I'm think f- about I'm trying to stretch and get <laughs> you know. Romano,
2: But instead you're engaging me rather giggling. than sitting over there in the corner thinking about it. <laughs>
1: what is it? Oh, uh, oh, oh, I know what it is. It's relevant. So it has to be relevant to the consumer. So we started to do this test. My co or my co-author and I, and we created videos. We got a little grant, five thousand dollar grant, grant to create videos, and use some students our paid students to um, portray themselves as these fashion editors, and then we embedded them into different types of native ads. One was a banner ad, one was an advertorial, and the one was an in-feed ad, like you would see if you're going through uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. and then you click on it or sometimes it's autoplay so we wanted to see if that influenced people if we gave them like a preface that said hey this is a fashion designer that's going to tell you about some brands you know does it help increase your level of fashion consciousness and then we tell them later that this is a native ad do you know what a native ad is do you feel duped that not knowing that what this was and that the company the, you know the, this isn't a real fashion editor to see how it influences their ability to trust and what we found first when we, we first okay so we tested it with real well, not real people I say real people right, right? I as mean if, my students are real people. people yeah sure they are <laughs> but I force them not to do yet. things so uh, we tested it with perf- professionals um, through Qualtrics panel which is a panel service that seeks out people that fit a certain criteria. So they had to be between the ages of 30 and 42. They had to have an income of $50,000 or up. And they had to reach a level on the fashion consciousness scale of four or above out of a scale of five. Is there a
0: fashion consciousness scale?
1: There is. There's whole books of scales.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That seems like (laughs) like a very, uh, this is kind of like getting uh, informed (laughs) jury duty, right? Like people people on a jury who can afford to take off the time from work. (laughs) Um, Right. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you find somebody who's got over $50,000 uh, as an income that's, that's really into, to, into participating on panels?
1: Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. You know, what do they get paid? A I, couple bucks? I mean, maybe they just do it because they find it interesting. Either way. So Qualtrics sort of yeah. puts that – we pay for it. Sure, you know, we, yeah. We put the whole survey together, and then they launch it through their panel to find out, you know, meeting our criteria. And what we first found is that it didn't influence people.
0: It didn't? No.
1: After all, and, and, but for students, it did, and it was changing how their perception of it, and we use this term called ethical efficacy. Um, you can attach anything to efficacy. It can be fashion efficacy, it can be self-efficacy. Efficacy just means your ability to believe in yourself. So ethical huh. efficacy is your be- ability to believe in your um, understanding of ethics or be able to act ethically. And it changed them once we told them about it. It changed their effect, but it didn't change the students. It changed the students, but not the consumers. And we think, because of all the research that's being done by IAB, is that it's too relevant. So if this, it's too relevant. relevant, So we, you will click on an ad. You will click on a banner ad. You will click on an editorial if it's relevant to you. So So the fact that you had a
2: panel of people who were into fashion. Into fashion.
1: They were were our target market. They were between the ages of 35 and 42. They made over $55,000. They had all the criteria. They were all lined up. They They wanted it. Yeah, they wanted it. Well, and think about yourself. I mean, you're searching. I I do it. I mean, I'll be ordering some books that I kind of have to read and kind of like to read, right? A little bit of both. And I see the suggested offerings at the bottom. I'm like, oh, right. extra 10 bucks? Yeah, you know, I do want to read that. They're right. They've really pinpointed me. I do want these. Or one of my favorite comp- companies, Title Nine. it's like outdoor women's, oh, you know, like dresses and stuff. And they give me suggested items. Oh, you know, I will look at that. You know, why not? An extra 20 bucks? Okay. They have a
2: functional algorithm that's right. actually working. So
1: yeah. that shows us that relevancy can influence consumers' ability to click on these Ads, these banner ads, which we thought were gone, right? We think banner ads are completely irrelevant. People don't click on them.
0: Turns out. Unless, we do. so back to trust, authenticity, and relevancy. relevancy, relevancy is the number one.
1: Yeah.
2: Which it doesn't seem so counterintuitive. That seems pretty logical that I am interested in the things I'm interested in. And if you give me more access to the things I'm interested in, I will take that access right I mean that that yeah. seems pretty pretty straightforward
1: so if we can define our target markets and really define them you know, I work with so I teach undergrad and MBA and I, lo- I love them both <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I forgot what I was saying after I told him I loved them both
0: Well, we talk about defining <laughs> start it, thinking defining about the them. target I start thinking yeah every single one of them and, and you, like, you saw all their one. faces sitting <laughs> there and go I like you and I like you and I like <laughs> Not you. you but yeah. see but I'm you. taking notes as we're going I'm gonna keep us on track. <laughs> you um, so I would Please. love to do a little mini class for the next okay. five minutes oh, no. okay Kay? you're totally can do this <laughs> one of the things that is critically important listen up listener uh, when you have a business idea or you're wanting to sell your product goods or services is that you understand your target market and this when you're pre-sale um, you're just you're in the idea phase or even if it's your established business but now we, we have a new product or service we want to offer. There's this thing called the ideal customer avatar and that's in, in almost every getting started to business you're going to come across this. I find that the most difficult activity at all do you teach that, and could you teach us in the next five minutes how to make that easy to do? Because it's it's a bear, and without it, you can go horribly wrong.
1: I, I like that you use the word avatar. <laughs> I know companies that are using that term loosely to create these fake profiles online, but I do. I have the students develop, um, I call them brand personas. Uh,
0: familiar with that? Yep, yep so brand sure.
1: personas, they have to um, talk about the psychographics and demographics of the individuals that they think would be their target market for the company okay
0: so the psych- psychographic and yep. the demographic and
1: psychographic includes the lifestyle psych and not just what they do for a job what they like to do on the weekends who they hang out with where they live uh, the demographics talking about what their age is what their their gender their race uh, so I, let's
0: have I, a let's have a Right. Let's create a, a, f- a fake product here. Okay. Uh, so a f- a fa- uh, we <laughs> talked about fashion. So okay. it's um, I've got a new line of. Um,
2: wait, wait, now, careful here with what you're about wear. to say, because you no, athle- athletic. I know. I'm just wear. afraid that you're going to throw out a million-dollar idea, and then you can't pull that ah. back in. It's being recorded. I'm a more. giver. I'm, I'm a just giver. saying. Be careful here.
0: Uh, I'm influenced by We're here to um, share. Yeah. this. <laughs> this um, there's a athleisure. Uh-huh. <coughs> right. So yes. athleisure is a category. I didn't know that was like it's okay to wear Lululemon at work, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so,
1: uh, so, yeah. As I, <laughs> or, he's yeah. wearing <laughs> his Lululemon pants. You know, uh, if people are wearing Lululemon, that they're not going to the gym. They're just going to show off their clothes. <coughs> right. And that they <laughs> can afford a $120 pair of pants. Right. right?
0: Uh, the, but so I've just come up with this great idea. Yes. So now I'm thinking of who wants to buy these this line of clothing that I've so brilliantly designed in my head. So when we think of psychographic, give us some examples of how you might define this potential purchaser.
1: Okay. So I have the students uh, name the person first. Name them. And naming is important. So we'll name her. It's a her. It's already
0: a her. It's already a her. So you gendered her. Yep. Right. Right. Okay.
1: It's a girl. Uh, She is, I put put her between the ages of uh, thirty-seven and forty-five.
0: Very specific.
1: And she lives in Malibu. Okay. Uh, She has an inheritance, or her husband is really wealthy.
2: It's a beer magnet.
1: A beer bandit?
2: I'm just saying he's got... It goes on a refrigerator. No, I mean, he's oh. he's uh, from a family that uh, brews beer.
1: Okay, yes. Yeah. He's a crafter, a beer Mary. crafter, and it's gluten-free beer. Of course. Because right. Yeah, right. that's what we like in Southern California. Topical. And he okay. So she, so she doesn't work, but she does. So we have a picture feel, of her, yeah, right? In your head, you totally see yeah. her. And she's blonde. I'm assuming she's blonde. She's probably about five nine.
2: So a little bit on the tall side for. She
1: likes to wear Coachella clothing, but probably shouldn't be wearing clothes like that. Huh. But does anyways because she can fit that profile. So I really do make the students write all this out. Yeah, they have to write between a page to two page of each of their personas that they're And so
0: we're suggesting, by the way, we're suggesting to our listener right now, if they don't have this level of specificity of the person who's buying their product, they should hit the pause button and do this.
1: Yeah. And a lot of small companies just want to sell their stuff. So they say, hello, right? everybody. I'm reaching everybody. Yeah. Which well, isn't
2: isn't accurate at all. But how, how often is it just a self-portrait that they produce? Oh. The actual. The students. When the students produce the, they this They have profile. to put a
1: picture with it. And some no but you know I, mean I mean a self-portrait of themselves oh, they just end up n- describing themselves Well, usually one of the two yeah yeah right and depending on the product because yeah. sometimes I, I especially my mba they work with real companies sure uh, so we recently did a project with big brothers big sisters and then we worked with the library and the library foundation and thousand oaks so they had to develop the clientele of who's going to the library and that wasn't a picture of themselves
2: well, isn't that fascinating, doing doing a project for a product that you can't imagine yourself participating with?
1: Well, and that's what you should be doing right. as a marketer, not selling to yourself all the time.
2: Right. Ah, uh, okay, another pearl.
0: That's a really uh, good another, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great – so psychographic. So we talked about that. Demographic. Yeah. So we know
1: so – Okay. So who, what do we name her yet? No, we No, didn't. what's her name? Um –
0: what? When was she born? How she? She's 38 Allison? to she's 38 is to 45. She, I mean, she might be. It Allison. might be
1: spelled with a Y then. Not an I. Oh. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then maybe a big white last name. Right. Like Vanderbilt it's or something. White last <laughs> it's, it's a big
2: last name, but they're not related. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vanderbilt. They're a Kennedy. <laughs> Kennedy. But, but Allison but Kennedy, related. but not related, <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't ever correct anybody.
1: And you know the students have a lot of fun doing this, but that's real. I mean, this is what right. companies are doing: yes. is developing the specific yes. criteria of who's coming into their. So we have
0: psychographic. We have demographic. What other big categories?
1: Um, so I use a company, the Nielsen company, N E I L S O N. They use it. Yeah. They have a website called Prism, P R I Z M, and on that oh. website, it's also called Claritas. If you just Google C-L-A-R-I-T-A-S. So if you okay. Google one of those three things, you're yes. going to come up with what I'm talking about. And it'll let you put in a zip code for uh, your area or your area or that you're Or the Malibu targeting. zip code. Yeah, the Malibu zip code. And it'll right. tell you what that person what that clientele the majority is in that area it'll tell you what type of car people drive where they like no to shop where they, and that's all free and mm-hmm. you, can, you can pay Nielsen a monthly fee just like you would for any service to get really specific information but I have the students use that general website to give them a perspective of who they think this is that's living in Malibu who they think this is to define to help them get started.
2: Because our outside version of what we think lives who lives in Malibu versus who actually lives in Malibu right. is probably going to be totally different.
1: S- sometime. Sometimes.
2: Sometimes. W- why
1: But then w- I can give them Illinois. So I always do that. And I have them put the zip code of where I grew up, 61413, oh. Alpha, Illinois, 900 people and then and then I take them to Google Images and do the 360 degree view of the farm country and all <laughs> the nothingness around it and they're like, "Whoa." And, and I'm, this I This is like, why I you live can in sell California. here. <laughs> It's beautiful there too. Yeah, green grass. We, we were just there, and my daughter was like, "This grass is beautiful." <laughs>
0: yes, we used to have grass here. What? Why is understanding the brand persona so critically important? Almost foundationally important.
1: Because emotions play such an important role what? in what people buy. People, the research used to say that we would make all the right decisions if we just eliminated all our emotions out of all our Mm. decisions. We'd be completely rational.
2: Which is not true. It's
1: not true. Emotions play a big part in the decisions that we make and how valid the decisions that we make are. So, but And then I have students do this, not every class, but my more advanced MBA ones, and then the undergrads that are getting ready to graduate in my consumer behavior class, I make them do a video called and this is with my co-author here, uh, Veronica Guerrero, and I work on, um, um, it's called Brand Personology.
0: Personology. Yeah, and that started with... I love that.
1: Um, I don't know, Baumgartner, I believe is the author that started writing about this, and this was back in the 90s, but he didn't take it to the video format, and we're taking it into videos, talking about how uh, the brands that you like, why do you like them? Why do you? Why do you like Apple? Why do you like... Why do you like your phone so much well, let's really think about it what what humanistic characteristics does it have that, you, that really represent that brand to you because we have lots of choices when we buy things why do we buy the things that we buy and then represent those because you become the spokesperson for that brand and they're not paying you i mean maybe they should be right if you're wearing your
0: no we actually pay have to have them. their logo on our stuff
1: right so i make the students really think about that so that they have to understand how those it re- really plays a factor in who they are as con- consumers and they present that to the world the those brands to the world
2: uh, how how are the students these days with are you are you pulling back a curtain and revealing to them some stuff they didn't process before they walked into your classroom are they seeing so you hope so yeah i mean but that, <laughs> yeah again that's what your <laughs> curriculum is shooting for is this idea of like giving them an awakening or an aha moment of oh i've been maybe passively playing along for a while now and and but you're giving them kind of the, the keys to the castle like this turns out there's secrets here well, yeah,
1: not all of them yeah okay <laughs> the third that are paying attention i'm <laughs> okay. so so what ahead. it is the third and then the <laughs> I'll I don't know if it's that many. I mean, but some travel. Wow. That some, little, that wow. Little. <laughs> some travel
2: through without being affected and, and not kind of being awakened.
1: If they're into it, I mean, it just depends. I mean, remember when you were 18, yeah. 19? I don't know if I was really paying attention then, but maybe the teachers that were talking to you me weren't meeting me where I was, and I'm, right. i We try to do that, so we make them do videos, and they have to put together a video on iMovie showing their brands and why they use these brands and how important these brands are to them so a lot of the times we'll see apple nike dodgers and they show images of themselves wearing their apple nike or dodgers gear wherever with their friends a starbucks sitting around sipping their starbucks and then if you're a company you want and the millennials is your target market you would hope that they're representing your brand in those mm, in those mm, videos mm. And then at the end of the class, we do another video. So they have to talk about those brands again. Do, are these brands really who make up who you are as a consumer? Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they change. So
0: so the, so this is around uh, as a personologist, right, a personologist is someone who studies that. So you're, you're, I think the thesis here is that a consumer is a collection of the brands they love. Yes. And so if I took up if I would make a visual of this and I drew an outline of a human and then I just pasted in all of the brands if I were to go to their home and (laughs) look in the car and all of those things I would see all of those brands and that then becomes the brand persona so that's reverse engineering it say oh um uh, Allison with a Y what what are the the, the as a personologist and I <clears throat> archaeologically or anthropologically studied her. Yes. I would know these are all the other things that she buys. I'd not ever considered that in doing a brand persona work. Like what are the other things they buy to see am I aligned with those things.
1: So, so this is where we tap into the ethics, right? So you want to define that person so well that they couldn't do without your product. Right? They would see themselves in the target market that they're presenting, all the ads that you send out, all the emails, that's me, I should use that product. Mm. And and then it becomes an addiction, like Starbucks. I mean, my students, they don't have jobs, right? Right. They're at school and their parents are paying for it or they're getting loans and they walk into class with their five to seven dollar coffees every day. I was like, hmm, that's an addiction, right? So if you're a brand, do you, do you want your products to be piling up in a hoarding environment around your consumer you know thinking oh no this is they want it so bad that they can't live without it there's <laughs> I was reading a book
0: I so you're, you're challenging that as an ethical yeah,
1: yeah I am I th- think that, that stickiness yeah I mean y- there's a there's a line right? we've wow. gone too far of like duping into the emotions of our consumers that we, we have to protect them a little bit
2: right because what if they forfeit rent to use your product. What if because because then uh, what you're doing is you're looking you're looking at a terminal relationship that will be over. Because they eventually... Because you've killed them. Well, you've... Well, terminal. Yeah, you've, you've, you've done... End, you've ended it. You've ended oh, the relationship.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd, you've rather, ended it. I'd rather drink Starbucks than pay for rent. I'd rather smoke cigarettes than, than eat right, right. lunch. You know, there's things that can happen to consumers. Where if we're tapping into their mind so much that we're connecting with them and their emotions and their feelings, then they're going to want us over the things that they need.
0: Well, Lululemon came out with new stuff every Monday, and I had to go get it, and I didn't pay my rent.
2: I I, I always think that it's... or. Um, they for like I I always we, we have this debate about like um, wanting or belonging to a brand so badly that you'll you'll forfeit relationships at Thanksgiving with it, you know what I mean? Like you'll get in that mm-hmm. argument with your cousin over like oh I'm a Mac I'm a PC and then you'll like go to the mat with these pe- he's an idiot you know like and you're like you just wrecked Thanksgiving <laughs> over a brand I loyalty. Do. We
1: get tied to our things so much. I mean I, my husband just wrecked my Subaru oh, no. totaled it 101 to the 405. Oh. Mm-hmm. He drives down to El Segundo every day uh, from Thousand Oaks. So it was it was going to happen. Yeah. And he didn't get hurt, so I can talk Yay, about this. I was going to ask. <laughs> but he did total my car. And I had my Subaru since 2007. It was a good one. Yeah, it was yeah, a good one. It yeah. lived with me in Colorado. We, it went on a ship right, to Hawaii, put it in a crate. Wow. Spent two years in Hawaii, wow. then made it to California. That's a commitment to a car. Her name was... Vanessa. Her name was
2: Vanessa. Vanessa. Do you well, name nice. your car, don't you? What color maroon? Oh no, black. she was
1: silver. silver so there's silver, the people
0: silver. who name their cars and the people who don't. Yeah. So we can divide the world that way. <laughs> I don't know. Or <laughs>
1: Should we though? Do you not <laughs> have a relationship question. with your vehicle? <laughs> well, that I mean, and the well, with all products, you know, we build those relationships. Right. Uh, and companies try to enforce those. So I would want to go buy another Subaru. I I didn't. So there's an
0: Instagram campaign for Subaru to stand in front of your car with a name and do a little Vine I think they launched it. They probably did that. that
1: You could buy the little images to put on the back of the car saying the things that you like to do. I like to camp. I like to hike. I like to swim Mm -hmm. to build your... They even send out a magazine every month that talks about Subaru yeah. and the things that Subaru drivers do yes, didn't,
2: didn't wow. Volvo, I think Volvo did a, an ad campaign where they like they take they take the Volvo to the Volvo uh, graveyard and then you go get the new Volvo it's oh like my gosh if it's like like the Volvo graveyard is like up on a hill overlooking a bluff like it's clearly a million dollar view and you're like <laughs> you can't leave a car there <laughs> like just it's absurd
1: I, I, yeah, I thought about writing an obituary for my there you car go. Yeah. a little yeah. bit. Really? I didn't. I but didn't the, the, go that that's far. <laughs> you're
0: very identified <laughs> with it, though.
1: Yeah, I was. I mean, it, it was from Colorado. I, That's the number one place where people buy Subaru. Sure. Or the place I bought it from had top sales in Subaru. Yeah, so Subaru it doesn't really fit the persona of California. Mm.
0: <laughs> Subaru is the little stars, star pattern. Yeah. Mm. So do you know that Subaru is Japanese for the word Orion? Oh, and, and that's, that's the, the constellation. Orion constellation. And I, my son's name Orion, hmm. so that's the only reason I know that. Uh, I knew it
1: was a constellation. I didn't know which one. I thought it was Pleiades, but
0: I could be completely I wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have my now computer in front of me. Now you challenged me because uh, <laughs> you, you seem so certain on that. Is there? Um, I, l- I love the brand persona stuff because I think the more we, is it
1: I'm going to throw one more term out, just for fun. Yes. So there's research being done on this, too, and I haven't really tapped into it yet, but I think it's interesting. It's anthropomorphism of products, Mm. making the humanistic characteristics of the products that we buy. Uh, Think about your car. So your car looks like a person.
0: Well, you gave it a name.
1: Yeah. I gave it a name, but it looks like one. Like, they put the lights on there so it looks like a smiling face looking back at us. Here's another fun one. I like to do this in class with the students is watches. So if you're going to go out and buy a watch, which watches are coming back, although none of us are wearing watches. Mm-hmm. Um, they
2: Mark takes this off. It's sitting right in front of him.
1: Okay. So the time that they sell them on, so if you go online and Google watches or clocks, yes. the time shows 1010 10 on all of them. Almost what? all of them. Maybe there's a couple that aren't, yeah. but most of them because it, it's a smiling face. Nobody's going to buy a watch that's frowning at them. So,
2: so they wouldn't a, be like it wouldn't be like four seven yeah four thirty five yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's 10, 10. no kidding yeah you can Google so it. so someone I'm at J
0: Walter Thompson figured that one out they have the Rolex account so I'm gonna go talk to them about okay. that when yeah. I see them
1: <laughs> somebody I, did because they're all doing it
0: I love that
1: and so that's building those brand images with mm-hmm. us right I, I, I think that's all Sarah very you engaging. clearly
0: love your job I it's do right it's, yeah it's and staring at the smiling faces. <laughs> Actually, I'm. well, you're both teachers, and so you get this, that when you're looking in that, that classroom with smiling faces, <laughs> there's –
2: You're hoping they're smiling, yeah.
1: I just don't have class at 8
2: a.m. That was the roughest class I've ever taught. Or 7 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Those are our Those uh, are the – just don't do that.
1: Well, MBA students at 7 p.m. I just feel bad for them. You know, they've yeah. been working all day, and they come in there, so – And they're forfeiting a relationship. High energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: They want to be at home, but they're not. And
0: they're, and they're smart enough to not buy that $5 cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yes. Sarah, thank you so much. This is um, the, our 45 minutes just whoosh,
1: Oh, good. We're done? Whoosh. I made it? I you thought I was it. only going to make it to 15. <laughs> no.
2: No. You really ramped up at the 15-minute mark. I looked Yeah, down. you were just You're like, where
0: okay. we're yeah. going. Um, and so uh, this is the part of the show that I love. And with marketing people, it's even better because um, we get to uh, wrap a bow around the episode and give it a title. Okay. And so what would we call this conversation?
1: So we should probably name it since we were talking about personas. Hmm. I, I kind of want to do a tap into, uh, what's the name of one of the sponsors? It's Tolman Weicker. Is yes. that right? Yes. He comes and speaks in my classes. I always call him Tom. So I'm going <laughs> to name it Tom Gre- or I'm Greg? I'm going to name it Greg. His name is Greg. Yes. So I'm going to call this the Greg, Persona, I don't know, Persona something Development. Something about, it's
0: something about, okay, I like that. Persona
2: <laughs> Development. So oh,
1: yeah, Persona <laughs> Development by Greg. There's my call. Let's see, I got your name right, Greg.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that makes up for it. And I
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. I, we, we, um, I also want to give a shout-out to California Lutheran University. I mean, they, they sponsor the show, but only because after listening, we were up for a week. He called and said, we need to be a part of this, and, you know, we've tapped into some really amazing um, talent that's coming out of there. And I was mentioning last week, Patrick, that Mm -hmm. um, we've had a lot of professors on, and I feel that the only people that get to hear this wisdom are the students and other professors when you go to professional conferences, and that the general population doesn't get to profit from this, get the well, so that's I'm why, that's we, why we can charge it.
2: tuition. Because yeah. if, if it was just free and down at the park, nobody would listen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we write papers that nobody else can read, so yeah. that we become uh, the consultant interpreters for each really other. Smart.
0: Really I love smart. that. Well, this show gives us a, a, a way to have those voices. So, thank you for joining us yeah, so you. much. How how do if uh, what's you gave us uh, several websites, but someone who wants to learn about the brand personas and and how important that is. What would you have them go look at?
1: Um, I would have them do that, the Nielsen website, Clary does our prism. I'd have them start there, typing in zip codes to look up general information. About, like their own zip code, yeah. just to say, how do I just fit the, in, that, that to might be fun. see the demographics and lifestyles so they understand how specific it can get. I love that. I'd have them use Google Trends too, to use Google <sighs> Trends at all.
0: I just learned about Google Trends literally yesterday, and it's my new favorite website.
2: (laughs) That's how it it happens in Altoid is is the moment you hear the word within 24 hours, you're going to hear it a bunch more. Mm. Is that… That's what happened to my mom. She, somebody said, would you like an Altoid? She said, what is that? And they said, how could you not know what an Altoid is? And then all of a sudden, billboards, banners, everybody, it's yeah. in everybody's
1: hand. Oh, new car that it. you drive. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's Google a, Trends. Uh, I'm in a, working on a project with Jay Walter Thompson right now, and we're coming up with, um, there's a lot of copywriting that has to be done on very specific things, and one of them is we're naming badges in an application, mm-hmm. and it has to be globally, culturally relevant so we can't use the word awesome. We can't use, there's words that just don't play. Mm-hmm. And so the copywriter, because I said, I, I'm not sure of that word. I'm not sure of that word. I'm not sure of that. Just go rethink it. That's the only direction I gave him. He came back with Google Trends. And he said, in fact, this word performs five times better than this word. And then I was like, well, how do you know that? <laughs> and then I he sent me the link. And I looked. And more important to me was there was a world map underneath it,
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: could see how that word played across the world, and I was like, oh my gosh.
1: So that's just in Google, though. I know that Google takes up a lot of what we see on the Internet, so I do start the students there. I type in a company name, and at the bottom of the page, it'll tell you the terms that are used, so you can put those in your SEO if you're generating links right but then it gives you up-and-coming and those are that'll show you where the competitors are so if I type in Patagonia it'll show REI it'll show all the different terms that people search for when they search for Patagonia or fleece or down jacket or so all those terms need to be in your SEO so a smaller company can do the same thing to see what people are searching for when they search their company mm. but if you get too small you donate you're not even a blip on the radar on Google Trends so one of my favorite marketing companies in Thousand Oaks is Mustang marketing I had my students do a little project on him and it was like bleep there's nothing on there but you can go to other websites social mention is the other one I use for social media analytics and I have them search social mention and that I actually make the, com- the co- some of my st- classes do um, a content analysis where they download all the data and they have to code it themselves mm. showing what people are saying online
2: mm.
1: so the, those websites have algorithms already written into their systems so if I type in Patagonia or a small company like Mustang Marketing it'll tell you what the reach is the sentiment and all these things based on their algorithm and then I make the students make their own algorithm which is their coding so you code it and you develop what you're looking for when you type in a company's name and so a company can use social mention to find out what people are saying through a broader web not just Google it's all they say when you type it in, like, searching across the universe, which I think is totally <laughs> cheesy, but it uh, it's beyond what just Google is, and it kind of gives you an image of what's going on online. I've, I've been doing that for a while, too. I did it at the University of Hawaii, and the students loved it. That was back when, I, what was it, MySpace was still being used, and students were like, what? Why are these companies using MySpace still? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We learned, learned a lot in this, and uh, we'll Brand. Pers- I'm just obsessed with this brand persona piece, especially if you're trying to be a global company. And how do you create that persona for people that live all over the world? Thank you very, very much. Thank you. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, and our podcasting partner Pullstring Press for this great studio, and Cielo Twenty Four, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project, now in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. If you want to learn more about the project, go to 805connect.com. There are lots of interesting things going on. Patrick, this is the time of the show.
2: Yeah. I for for how you can help us uh, besides uh, write review and rate us. Uh, there's somebody out there who's an expat, a friend of yours who's living mm. in a country very far mm. away, and they are desperate for some kind of conversation that could come from a uh, come from home. So uh, send them a link to this podcast, get them subscribed. We're in over forty. How many countries? Forty-two. Forty-two countries. Uh, see if you can get somebody subscribed in a country that's not already subscribed. Oh, I
0: love that. Then we can be trending
2: in Finland. Exactly. That's what we're hoping for Finland. Think of Finland. Think of, uh, I would love to be uh, any of the African countries. Madagascar would be great. Uh, Anything like that. So find a friend who's very far away and get them listening to the podcast.
0: We have listeners in South Africa. Nice. So it's fantastic. So uh, uh, if you have a specific person you would love us to have on the show, uh, send us a note, uh, mark at 805connect.com and we'll reach out to them. I'd love to uh, hear from you personally, anything you have to say. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.